Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Here we go. Let's read the text. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun arose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell among the good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about these parables, and he, had, he said to them, To you it's been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything's in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven." And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And then he goes on to give an explanation. This, this is a, a great parable because Jesus gives, we know exactly what it means because he gives us the explanation. The sower sows the word and, the, those, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones on, sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. Father, we pray for the work of your Holy Spirit this morning. God, we, uh, we want to be people who are responsive to your Spirit. Lord, I think of last week looking at the passage on, on the work of the Holy Spirit. And Lord God, we, we don't want to be a people who quench or grieve your Spirit. But God, we want you to speak to us today. Lord, our hearts are open. Um, God, they're, they're ready. Uh, they're ready for your word. God, we, we want to obey. We want to yield ourselves to you, God. We want to push everything else out. We want to remove all the distractions. Father, we confess today that um, there's nothing else in our life. There, there's no schedule. There's no work thing. There's, there's nothing else that's more important um, than, the, than, the, than your kingdom and our hearts being right with you. And so, Lord, we put that as top priority, God. And, and we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, before we get into the parable uh, very specifically, I just want to give you a couple general truths. You know, as I, I always try to kind of look deeply, uh, you know, specifically into the truths that the Bible's teaching. And then sometimes it's good just to take back and say, okay, on a big picture, what, what is this passage saying? And so here, here's a couple things just on a big picture level that, that I think uh, Jesus is communicating through this parable, okay? Number one is, is narrow is the way that leads to life. I think about Matthew chapter 7, four, verse 14, where Jesus said, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Uh, if you're a math person, you, you right away picked up that one out of four of the hearers of the word receive it and bear fruit. Um, now, if, if, if you believe, which I, hopefully you're going to, especially here after a few minutes, 
that, that only fruitfulness indicates salvation. In other words, and I'm going to try to make that case for you here in a minute. But, but as we look through this, there, there's four different types of soil. Um, there's a response actually in three of them. Okay? There's, a, there's some sort of response in three of the different soils. But only in one of the soils is there fruitfulness. Okay? Only in one of the soils does the plant actually come up and bear fruit. Okay? And, and I believe that is a picture of salvation. I believe there must be fruit for there to be a genuine conversion, a genuine salvation. And so as you, as you think about that, um, right away it could be a little bit discouraging that only one out of the four, okay? So as you, as you think about the masses of people that will hear the word of God, now I don't, I don't think Jesus is being legalistic here. I don't think he's, you know, one out of four, you know, uh, you're in, you're, you know, you're out, you're out, you're out, you're in. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's, it's that sort of deal. But I, I just think he may, he's making a general, uh, general statement that most people, and I think that's what he does in Matthew 7, most people who hear the word of God will not receive it unto salvation. And that's a little bit discouraging. We'll come back with some encouraging stuff here at the end when we talk about the yield of the good soil. But just the reality that it narrows the gate, okay? Narrows the gate. I mean, that's just real. Uh, it's difficult. Uh, the way is difficult to the kingdom of God. So, so number one, just narrows the way. We see that. There's lots of people who hear the word of God and they do not receive it unto fruitfulness. They don't embrace it. They don't trust it. They don't lean on it. They're not regenerate. The spirit of God does not bring them to life. They're not saved, okay? Uh, number two, two, again, just general truths here. Second one is not every profession is genuine. Okay, man, we really see that in this passage. If you'll notice, um, the the soil, the 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 rocky soil and the uh, thorny soil, both of those soils, there is an initial profession of faith. Okay, so in, in in Jesus' parable, the seed is planted, it comes up. Okay, it springs up. There's a green shoot that comes out of the ground, and, and, and there there is some indication of life there, but it does not produce fruit. It's not. It does not have the capacity because of the soil that it's planted in. To actually become fruitfulness. And again, I believe that fruitfulness is the indication of salvation here. And so we really see that not every profession is genuine. And again, this is not the only place we see that. If we go to Matthew 7 again. In verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And, and so Jesus backed that up in other places in the scripture where not everybody who says I'm a Christian, not everybody who says I believe the word of God, not everybody who, who makes some sort of, of uh, move of, of repentance or faith or profession, that not everybody who makes that is genuinely born again. Something we just have to realize and know. And then thirdly, just as an, a, a big picture truth, is that the word of God truly received will always bear fruit. It will always bear fruit. In John chapter 15, verse 8, here's what uh, Jesus says. And, and John 15 is a great passage to look at when you're looking at this parable because the, the agricultural imagery is somewhat similar. Because in John 15, 8, Jesus says this. He's talking about the branch and the vine. He, he says, you know, you're the branch. He says, I'm the vine. You know, you got to be connected to me to, to, to have life. And then in verse 8, he says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Okay, did you hear that? The, the, here, here, here's, here's what he's saying. He's saying, man, this is the will of the Father, that you're connected to me. And if you're connected to me, my power through you is going to bring about fruit. Okay? And, 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 and when you bear fruit, that's going to prove. That's going to that's be the definitive proof that you are my disciple, that you truly are born again. 
And, and, and so what, what I think we see here, especially in this parable, is that fruitfulness is the evidence of that the Word of God has taken root in your life. Okay, The Word of God always produces something when it is rightly received. Okay, Jesus' Word is never a dud. Okay, It's never a dud. You know what a dud is? You know, fireworks. I thought of fireworks. You ever you know, you go out there, you know, the kids are all excited, and they light one, and then everybody runs back, and we kind of wait, you know, and it kind of goes... You know, something like that and nothing, you know, and what do we call it? We call that a dud. That's what we call that at our house, you know. I mean, and it didn't, it didn't take, you know. And sometimes you even have seeds that way. I mean, man, that's a bad thing for a farmer. You have seeds that something wrong, they're damaged in some way, and they, they don't produce, they're not potent. Okay, that is not the case with the Word of God. It is not sterile. It is not fruitless, okay. It is wrong to think that a person can embrace the truths of the Scripture, that, that they can receive the truths about Jesus Christ and His glory, and that have no effect. That doesn't happen, okay? The word is potent, and when it is received, it will produce something in your life, okay? The heavens and the earth were created by the word of God. Jesus raised the dead through the word of God. We should expect to see fruit when the word of God is rightly received, okay? But only the good soil produces fruit, okay? Only the good soil produces fruit. But you need to see that fruit in your life as the visible evidence of God's working in you and through you. Again, in John chapter 15, John, uh, Jesus kind of gives us some insight on how this happens. In John 15 verse 4, he says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. You can't bear fruit by yourself. You can't just muster up uh, Christ-exalting, Holy Spirit-powered works. You can't do that. God's got to do that in you and through you. So he says, Abide in me, I in you, and the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me... You can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned up. Okay? So, so Jesus is saying, look, your fruitfulness comes from your connection to me. Okay? Your faith connection to Jesus, that's where the fruitfulness comes from. Now, what, what do we mean by fruitfulness? I think we, let's take a moment and just, just talk about that for a little bit. Uh, I think the big definition of fruitfulness is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Okay? Because it's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it is. It's, it's the life of the Spirit inside of you, and as that life of the Spirit is inside of you, just like the life of the seed inside good soil, it's going to spring forth and it's going to produce something. Okay, it's going to produce something of value, and, and so the Holy Spirit's life inside of you is going to produce things. Now, what is it going to produce? Well, let me let me give you some examples from Scripture of fruit. Okay, not that these are exhaustive; there may be more, but here here are some. First of all, a new affection. Okay, new affections. Hebrews chapter thirteen, verse fifteen says, "Through Him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice." Sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips and acknowledge that acknowledge his name. I think I think one of the, the fruits of, of the Holy Spirit inside of you is a changed affection for Jesus Christ. Okay? As God works in you, as you receive the word of God, as that takes root in your life, as you're abiding in Christ, one of the things that's going to do is going to change what you love. It's going to change what you desire. It's going to change what, 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 what you're happy about, what you're joyful about, what you're excited about. I mean, it's going to change your affections. You're, you're going to see your affections transformed to love Jesus Christ. Um, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to come about in a change of, of, of your, your heart, mind, attitude, condition, okay? As I think about the fruit of the Spirit, in Galatians chapter 5, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. A couple of those, let me pick them out, joy and peace, those are both 
kind of mindsets, aren't they? You know, I mean, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit's going to produce in you a certain type of mind. You know, a peaceful mind, a hopeful mind, a, a joyful mind. Okay, number three, it's going to change your relationships. Um, and we see that over and over again in the Scriptures. Again, fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, love. Joy, peace, patience, patience, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, love, patience, forgiveness, forbearance. All those things have to do with your relationships, okay? And so when the Bible's talking about fruitfulness, definitely it's talking about how you relate with other people, okay? And, and, and as you see fruit in your life, one of the evidences of fruit is, man, you're a different person in relation to your spouse. You're a different person in relation to your kids. You're a different person in relation to your, your coworkers and your enemies and, and the people you struggle with. I mean, that, there's a transformation in how you relate with other people. You used to be unforgiving. Now you're forgiving. You used to be, you know, impatient. Now you got more patient. You used to not love people that you, you didn't like or you didn't mesh with. Now you make efforts to, to, to give grace to them and you are changed in your relationships. Um, I think, I think fruit means a change in your priorities and your values. I think you, you, you move from being prideful and self-centered and self-exalting to being Christ-centered and humble and Christ-exalting. So, so lots of different evidences of fruit in, in, in the New Testament. But, it, but it's a transformation uh, inside of you brought about by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, let's talk about the different kinds of soils, okay? So you got these big, uh, kind of big picture truths here. Uh, the way is narrow. It's difficult. Not every profession is a true profession. Uh, in order for, for, for there to be genuinely uh, solid evidence that you are converted, there must be fruit, okay? Now, what about the different soils? We see four different types of soils here. So, so the picture of the parable is of a sower, and he's going along. And you, you kind of got to get in the mindset of not tractor and drill, you know, that we see out in the fields today. But you got to get in the, in the mindset of a broadcast sower, okay? So you got a farmer with a bag of seed, and he's walking through his, 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 his field, and he's sowing. He's just he's broadcasting it is what, what it was called. And so he just throws the seed out, and it's going everywhere, okay? Now, you always have the edge of your field. This is true even. Of, of, of my dad's farming, you know, he's always got, you know, his field and then there's a road or a lot of times it's his field and then there's a trail road or an oil field road, you know, some kind of road that, that's an access road. And man, I tell you, this burns my dad up. Uh, you know, they're supposed to like drive right in the middle, you know, and, and you got guys that are all over the thing. Well, they're, you know, they're packing down part of his field and he knows that even, even though he's got a drill that takes it in the ground, if that hard pack, it's not, it's not going to grow well. You know, but can you imagine a broadcasting method, okay? Whatever hits the hard pack, it's not even going to soak in. It's not even gonna, it doesn't even have a chance, okay? And in fact, what, what, what the scripture to the picture here is, is uh, verse 5, other seed, or let's see, as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured it. So immediately, it just, the seed's just even taken away. Okay, so it never has a chance to get in, never has a chance to sink in. It's, it's, just, it's just taken away quickly. Okay? So there's an immediate resistance to the word of God. There's, there's a hardness of heart. Uh, Jesus goes on to explain this in verse 15. He says, and these are the ones along the path where the word was sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Okay, so there's a hardness of heart that is resistant to the Holy Spirit. The heart is closed. It doesn't even hear the message of the gospel. It's busy being wrapped up in self or distracted by the hypocrites or whatever anybody else thinks. It just bounces off. These folks may not even be outwardly hostile to the gospel. They're just uninterested in the gospel. I was talking to a young man this week. It's really interesting. And, and, and man, God's just really doing a great work in his life. But here's what he told me. He said, Pastor, I've been in church all my life. He said, last week was the first sermon I ever heard. 
You know, and I, I was like, wow. You know, I mean, that, that's real, isn't it? Some of you may kind of remember that as well. You know, that, you know, I mean, I, I sat in church, but I, I never, I never heard, you know. And, and a lot of times it's not even hostility to the gospel. It's just an uninterestedness in the gospel. There are hard hearts that just don't value the gospel. This is not interesting. This is not important. This is not vital. This is not what, what, what's on my plate, okay? There's that sort of thing. In fact, we see this kind of spirit in, in 1 Corinthians 1.18, where, where this is what Paul says about, about many people who hear the gospel. He says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Okay, you hear that? It's folly. What's folly? Folly is foolishness. Okay, what is foolishness? It's like something that has no value. Okay? And so, so when, when your heart is already closing, you don't value spiritual things. You value money. You value power. You value your career. You value, you know, a, a relationship with the opposite sex. Or, or you value all these other things. But you don't value spiritual things. That's a hardness of heart. We went into Hobby Lobby yesterday. We went into Hobby Lobby because I'm a good husband and I love my wife, you know. And, and you know, I, I don't have anything against the company Hobby Lobby, I actually think they're a great company, and you should buy their stuff. I mean, they're they're uh, they're great people. They're they're benevolent for the kingdom. That's awesome, you know. But actually, what's in Hobby Lobby? You know, I really struggle. We went in there because Emma lets the kids um, buy a new ornament. They get they get pick out an ornament every year, and then she puts the date. And so we, you know, we've got like Hannah has nineteen of them, you know, and Addie has seventeen of them, and they put them on a tree. I don't know how long we're gonna keep doing this because our tree already it's like. You know, we're going to have to have like a redwood, you know, here in about 10 years, you know, because they all, or we got to throw away something or something. Something's got, but anyway, we need to get the ornaments in. And so I try to be a good sport, you know, and so I took the little kids, just, it was going to look around, so the little kids, and we're just kind of, man, I'm just, it's just folly to me, you know? I mean, I, and I'm not saying that it is. I'm saying to me, okay? I'm not making a judgment on what you love. I'm just saying, I just don't get it, you know? I remember, uh, here's one thing I had a little fun with, but they were fake deer antlers, okay? And they're, they're like about this big. And they look just like antlers, but they're fake, you know. And, and, they're, and they're like they're, they're like this big and they're curved wrong. I mean, like if a real deer had this, you wouldn't shoot him because you'd feel sorry for him. He's a freak, you know. I mean, I mean it's not like a nice rack. It's just it's like these little, you know, but they look like real antlers. But they're like this big and they're just like curved right in, you know. So I had them on my head and I was, you know, spear and haven. That's what I used them for. But afterward, I thought, man, who, that's, that's silly. You know, if you want deer antlers... Go shoot a deer. You know, I mean, that's what I'm thinking, right, Jeff? I mean, that would be meaningful. You know, it's like, I shot this. I put it on my wall. I get that, you know. But buy fake ones that don't even look like real antlers. I, 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 and I know, again, you're out there saying you just don't understand. Okay, I don't. I don't. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's just silly to me. I, I mean, I have a no value system. Friends, a lot of people, when they, when they think about Christ and the gospel and church and, and the kingdom and missions, man, they, they see it that same way. I mean, they just, they're just like, that's, well, that's silly. Why, why would I go do that? Why would I give my money that? Why would I give my time that? Why would I need that? I, I, I mean, the, in their minds, it is folly. It's folly. And so they just shut off. They don't hear it. So the word never even sinks in. It, just, it, it bounces off their heart, if you will. And, and then notice, notice, this is interesting to me. The devil has a specific role here, okay? You see that in verse uh, 15? And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word and it's, that is sown in them. Okay, so, so what's very clear here is because there's a hardness of heart, it never had a chance to sink in. They're not interested, okay? But, but they're still hearing it. But because they're not interested, Satan evidently has a specific role here 
in, in taking away the seed. What is that? I, I mean, I, I'm not telling you I, I know for sure. I, I don't because the Bible doesn't tell me that how he does that for sure. Uh, I mean, I know he has a strategy. Uh, I know that's part of his, his, his scheme is, is his lies. Okay, in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, listen to this. It says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So, I mean, that's Satan's strategy. He, don't, he doesn't want you to see the glory of Jesus. And, and, and because of, of an uninterested heart, many people never hear it. They never see it. They never get it. But, but what's his strategy? I, I, let me just throw out some guesses, okay? I mean, certainly it's got to be part of his strategy. It's got to be... It's got to be distracting, doesn't it? It's got to be distracting people. You know, I mean, how many times have you heard people talk about their Sunday? You know, the, the kids fought, the alarm didn't go off, the coffee spilled in the van, there's a stain on my shirt. And, man, I, I, I know there's people who, who, who have opportunity to hear the word and they never hear it just because they're all over, everywhere, you know, everywhere. You got to believe that Satan has some sort of role in that. So distraction, stumbling blocks. Uh, man, I just remember... Right shortly after our salvation, Em and I brought somebody we really care about to an evangelistic meeting, and the guy the guy was preaching the gospel. It was a good gospel presentation, and you know we're excited because we love this person and we want him to hear the gospel. You know we've kind of shared, but it ha- hasn't taken you know nothing much has happened, and but but we want them to hear, and so we want them to hear this other guy. You know, and, and we brought him. They came, and and th- there was a person a couple rows up, just making a spectacle of themselves the whole the whole time. You know. And, and, you know, him and I are just trying to focus, you know, we're just focusing on, you know, the, what's been spoken. And, and afterward, you know, hey, well, you know, well, ask our guests, what do you think? All they heard was that person, the spectacle. You know, I mean, I mean, don't you think that the devil has a role in that? Now, and again, I know that there's a hard heart there. And because of that, the devil steals the seed. Okay. But, but man, stumbling blocks. I'll tell you what, conflict, bitterness, broken relationships, Man, I, you know, as you read through the Gospels, it's very clear that if you have bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, nothing spiritual is going to be happening in you. Okay? Matthew chapter 6, let me read you this. If you forgive others their trespasses, your, father, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I could read you 20 verses that say essentially that same thing. That if you have this broken relationship with others that you're holding on to, that you, you know, you've got conflict, bitterness, anger, resentment in your heart. Man, nothing spiritual is happening in you. And you've got to believe that Satan has that as part of his strategy. Maybe doubt, skepticism, Satan stealing the word through all those excuses, all those you know, attacks on the scripture, attacks on the word of God. But, but he definitely has a role. I mean, the Bible says he steals it away. There's a role that he plays in, in hard-hearted people not hearing, not soaking up the scriptures. So what, what do we do with hard-hearted people? Well... <laughs> Man, as I look at that, I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so strongly aware that the heart is, is God's domain, isn't it? And you know what that makes me want to do? It just makes me want to pray, <laughs> you know? It makes me think that sometimes the most effective thing that we could do for, for people actually coming to hear the Word of God is pray fervently for them. I mean, there has to be a speaking of the Word of God to them by us. But, but there also has to be this, this, this foundation laid of heart preparation that really our most powerful thing we can do is pray for them. 
Now, I, I do think we're commanded to, to, to keep track of our own heart. You know, Proverbs 4.23, you know, keep your heart with all vigilance. Guard your heart for from it flow the springs of life. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 3. Um, and this is also in Hosea. He says essentially the same thing. He says, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts. He's not talking about break up your field. He's talking about break up the, the hard-heartedness of your heart. Okay? I mean, I mean, take, condition your heart, get your heart in a condition to receive the word of God. Okay. So, so number one, there's, there's hard heartedness out there. The seed hits it. It doesn't sink in. Satan steals it away. There's no receptivity to the gospel. Okay. Second kind of soil is the shallow heart. Verse 5 and 6 is the parable. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun arose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. You'll see the explanation in verses 16 and 17. And these are the ones who are sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Okay, the key here is no root. I mean, as, as I read that passage, the thing that, that's, that jumps out at me is there's no root, okay? It's a seed that's planted in a thin layer of dirt above a piece of rock, okay? And it doesn't have a chance. It doesn't have a chance because it's not connected to, to life, okay? It's not connected to life. It's not going to bring forth enough life to, bre- to bear fruit. And, you know, and, and as we read again, if we go back to John chapter 15, we see our fruit comes from our connection to Jesus Christ. You can't manufacture your own fruit. Okay, fruitfulness comes from me abiding in Jesus, looking to Jesus, focusing on Jesus, yielding myself to Jesus. You know, Jesus, it's all about my, my posture toward Christ is where fruitfulness comes from. And so if, you, if, you've got, if you've got no root, if you've got nothing tapping into life, you're not going to bear any fruit. You know, when I think of this kind of heart, here's what I think of. A whole bunch of stuff happening on top, nothing happening underneath. Isn't that the picture there? You know, of a rock, you know, and a little bit of soil. All kinds of stuff happening up here. Boom, it comes up right away. Oh, man, it looks great. But there's nothing happening down, down underneath. And so it's only a matter of time before difficulty, struggles, whatever, burn it up and it's gone. And for a lot of people, that's the case. There's, there's things happening up on the surface, right? There's, there's, there's surface stuff happening. There's surface commitments being made. There's surface you know, professions being said. But, but there, is, there is no root. There is no depth. There's no depth of believing. There's no depth of being convinced that Jesus really is the best thing. There's no depth of conviction that, you know what? Jesus is going to do what he says he's going to do. And he is who he says he is. You see, a shallow heart is, is a heart that makes an emotional response on the, on, on, the, on, the, on the top, but there is no depth inside. And, and as a result, when there's no depth of conviction, there's no hatred of sin, there's no affection for Christ, there's no hungering and thirsting after righteousness, you know, there, there's no deep conviction that Jesus can be trusted, that he knows what is best. And when there's no root, there is no longevity or fruit, okay? Now, now, now let's, let's, let's ask this question. Why would people make a superficial commitment to Christ? You know, why if there's no depth, if there's no deep conviction that Jesus is the best thing, that he is glorious, that he's everything that I need. If there's no deep conviction, then why, why would you make some sort of outward on top profession that, that you believe that? Man, a ton of reasons, isn't there? Let, let me give you some. Here's a real popular one. I've gotten myself in a mess and I might as well try Jesus. What could it hurt? 
<laughs> Have you heard people even say that? Man, I've heard people say that. Well, you know, I thought I might as well try this, man. You know, I tried this, this, and this. They didn't work. So, you know, I'm going to give this a try. And if Jesus doesn't work, I've got, I've got something else behind him, you know? I mean, I mean it's, just, it's just, look, I, and, and hey, listen, sometimes genuinely God uses trials to bring people to himself. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah, he does that, doesn't he? I mean, man, there are times where he uses uh, the brokenness of our world to say, you know what? I don't want any of this. I want Christ, you know? And and so that's not bad. But what is bad is the kind of commitment where you're just kind of trying Jesus out. You're not real sure if he's going to work, but, you know, it's worth the trying. You're kind of desperate right now. I, I I mean, there is no depth. There is no root in there. I remember when I was uh, a teenager, I had a horrible cold sores, usually after a sunburn. Okay? Every, we'd go skiing every year. Uh, it was kind of our family vacation. And every time I'd come back from going skiing, you know, you, get, you usually get sunburned. Uh, and I wasn't very good about putting sunscreen on. I'd always get, you know, cold sores all over, you know. Man, I hated nothing, like nothing worked. And, and this lady at church told me that, that if, if, I, if I taped a leaf, it was, I think it was an aloe vera leaf, you know. If I taped a leaf to my lip while I slept, you know, that... That, I, that 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 would do it. It would it would heal it. You know. And let me tell you, I'm I'm real skeptical of this deal anyway. You know, I'm like tape a leaf to my lip. You know, but but I thought, you know what? I've tried everything else. I, I might as well give it a shot. I don't think it's going to work. It's really stupid. In fact, my mom, you know, when my mom was helping me, I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, but you know, I tried taping. I went about an hour. You know, have you ever tried to fall asleep with a a leaf on your lip? I mean. it's... It's, it's difficult. You know, I went about an hour and I was like, yeah, I get this, you know, I'd rather have cold sores, you know. I mean, man, that's the, that's the way a lot of people approach salvation. It's like, you know, I'll give it a try, but if things don't get better in a week or two, I'm out. And, and that's what you see. You see superficial commitment. And, and here's the deal. Listen, even if your problem gets solved, I mean, here, here's, here's the no-rootedness. Your biggest problem is not whatever you think it is. It's not, it's not money. It's not your job. It's not your relationships. It's not your marriage. That's not your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is you're separated from a holy God by your sins. And, w- and without a Savior, you're, you're, you're sunk in God's wrath forever. That's your biggest problem. And, and so, so a superficial commitment to Christ is, is inevitably going to be revealed by, by tribulation and persecution. Because, you know, here's the reality. The reality is, whatever it takes to knock you out of faith, that, that's how deep your faith is, right? I mean, if it doesn't take very much, your faith wasn't very deep. You know, and, and, and if all you're doing with your profession of Christ is make my life easier pill, then when your life still gets to be hard, you know what you're going to do? You're going you're to drop right out. Why would people make a superficial commitment? Here's another one here all the time. It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. You know, they reach a point in their life, and you know what? It's the right thing to do. You know, that's what, that's what good people do. Good people have some sort of religion. They're part of some sort of church. And so it's the right thing to do. Man, I'll tell you what. Honey, would you have been, would you have been impressed if, if my marriage proposal to you would have been, you know, Em, I've been thinking about this. It's, it's just probably the right thing to do that we get married, you know? That is, that's not impressive, is it? That's not a love relationship. I don't, I don't think Jesus is real, you know, wild by that. Well, you know, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, some people, it's like the right time of life. 
I, I was sitting behind some girls at Falls Creek one year. This, this was one of the strangest conversations I ever heard. But there's kind of a, you know, especially in girls circles, there's always the leader of the pack, you know. And the leader of the pack was like telling every, you know, she was telling all the other girls how the week was going to go. And I remember she said this. She goes, and Thursday night, Thursday night we'll go forward. I was like, you're kidding me. You know, I mean, she's like planning out the week, you know. It's almost like, you know, a Monday night where, you know, we're going to go to the concert. And Tuesday night, you know, we're, we're going to all double date, you know, icy dates. And, and Wednesday night, that's our dress up real nice night. Thursday, Thursday we'll go forward. Thursday, the Holy Spirit will break our hearts of sin and convince us of the glory of Jesus Christ. And Thursday night, you know, we'll go. I mean, wow. I mean, talk about us. And I'm sure they probably did. I'm sure they were part of the, part of the masses that came on Thursday night. But listen, that's rocky soil. That's a superficial commitment. You know, a lot of times we have your first child, you know, man, and I get that. I get, man, I remember holding Hannah thinking, eesh, I can really mess this deal up, you know? This is heavy. We better, we better, we better step it up, you know? We got responsibility. To, and so a lot of people will come. But listen, if there's no more depth than that, then inevitably, inevitably, when, when difficult times come, you're, you're not going to last. You know, you're not going to last because there's got to be some root. There's got to be some of, some of Job in you. Job 13, 15. I love this verse. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Isn't that great? What's Job saying? I'm in. I'm convinced. Doesn't matter what happens as far as my life. If it's hard, if it's grueling, which it was for Job, man, I'm holding on to God. He's my hope. That's deep. That's deep roots. You're not going to fall over easy with that. Okay, but, but, the, but the, kind of, the kind of commitment that's like, well, as long as everything's good, as long as everybody treats me well, and as long as everybody at church affirms me, and as, as long as, you know, I'm, I, everything's good in my life, then I'll trust them. And if not, man, I'm bailing. That, that's a superficial commitment that won't bear fruit. You know, you know, that really makes other passages of Scripture make sense in the Bible. For instance, 1 Peter 1, 7. A lot of times I've struggled with this. I'm like, really? 1 Peter 1, 7 says, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor and revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen to, um, let me show you another one. How about, um, I can't think of another one. Oh, James, James. James says the same thing. James 1, 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. You may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then Romans says the same thing, essentially. Rejoice in your tribulations because tribulation produces endurance. Those don't make any sense unless you get this, okay? I mean, why would anybody be glad about the, the hard things in their life because they produce a genuineness of faith, an, uh, an evidence of genuineness. You see, that, that's not valuable unless you realize, man, there's a lot of false profession. There's a lot of people who, who, have, who have a lot going on on top, nothing going on underneath. And, and so I think Peter and James and, and Paul in Romans 5 are saying, look, it's a valuable thing to have, having, having persevered through trial, having held on to Jesus when everything else was crashing down around you. That's a valuable thing because what it shows is, man, you're the real deal. And, and that's, that's valuable, isn't it? To know you're the, it's real. It's not, it's not, I'm not just 
you know, hard-hearted or thorny or, 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 or shallow ground. That's a viable thing. All right, all right we got to hurry here. The preoccupied heart, okay? The, the weedy heart. Verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no grain. Okay, look at verse um, 18 and 19 is the explanation. Others are, are the ones sown among the thorns. And there are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. All right, this is a heart that's already committed to all kinds of other things, all right? This is one of those hearts that has all kinds of other stuff going on in their life. And, and, and really, they can't have a genuine faith commitment to Jesus Christ because they're already committed to everything else. Man, I tell you, one of the things that happened in my, as I look at my own conversion, one of the big things that happened in May of 1990 was that I came to the point where I, I truly repented. I truly basically said, okay, none of this matters. I, I'm out on it all. I'm turning away from it all. I, there's one thing, one thing, I, Jesus. I mean, that, that man, I remember that happening. I, you know, I had said the sinner's prayer, you know, 14,000 times before that. But never had I turned away from all the other stuff. Never had I said, Jesus, you're what I want. You're the only thing. Whatever. Blank slate. You tell me. I'm in. But man, look, if you don't, if you don't turn away, if you, if you don't have repentance in your life, look what's going to happen. It says, it says, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things choke out the word. Man, you can't just add Jesus to your already cluttered life, okay? Jesus is not interested in being on your idol shelf, you know? I mean, he's not interested in that, you know? I mean, he's not interested in being right up there beside uh, being beautiful, you know? I mean, things that make my life, you know, valuable and worthwhile, you know? My looks, my, my power, my job, things that make me significant. Oh, yeah, Jesus, we'll put him up there. No, 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 no. He's not interested in that. Well, Jesus is interested in you clearing off the shelf and putting him up there. And just saying, all right, he's what matters. Now, I'll let him work out everything else. I'll trust him. I'll trust him to work out all that other stuff. Man, I'll tell you what, the cares of this world. I mean, just think about the energy and commitment taken up by worrying about money and people and relationships and jobs and success and prosperity. The deceitfulness of riches. Think about all the, the passages of the Bible where, where people's faith was undercut by a love for money. Desire for other things. Desire for the world. Man. To have roots, to have life flowing through you, it's got to be one thing. It's got to be Christ. Now, finally, the good soul. Here, here's the good news, okay? We had bad news, bad news, bad news. Here's the good, good news, okay? Other seed fell in good soil, and it produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Okay, what's the explanation of it? Verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Okay, fruit. There's the key. 30-fold, 60-fold. And a hundredfold. You know what I think the great encouragement of this passage is? Here's where I think the application is for me. Man, keep sowing. Keep sowing. I mean, is it true that as you share the word of God with people in your life, some of it's going to fall on hard hearts? Yes, it will. And it will make no difference. They'll be completely uninterested. They'll listen to you because they're polite, maybe. And then nothing will happen. Is it true that some will fall on shallow soil and there'll be an immediate yes, but as soon as things get difficult, as soon as things get busy, as soon as things get challenging, they're out. Is it true that some will fall on weedy soil and they'll be, yeah, 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 I need that too. But all the other stuff in their life just choke out faith. Yes. Okay. But some will fall on good soil. And when it hits the good soil, the yields are phenomenal. Okay. Here's what I love. Okay. If you're a farmer, you, you get this right away. 
30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. When I was growing up, this is about 20 years ago, okay, far, like really good farming methods. If we had 30 bushel wheat, we were happy, okay? If we had 40 bushel wheat, it was a good year. If we had 50 bushel wheat, wow, okay? Now, farming methods are even better today, okay? And my dad can pull off 60 bushel dry land wheat pretty consistently, you know? Uh, it's only rained about six inches in Scott City all year. He's not going to get that this year or next year, you know? But on a normal, normal rain cycle, yeah, okay? But in Jesus' day, when you start saying 60, people are like, what? I mean, they're, they're thinking 10. They're thinking 8 is a good crop. Okay, 60. When he says 100, I guarantee you there's farmers, overalls, piece of straw sticking out in the crowd, start chuckling. 100 bushel. Come on, you know? No way. Okay, Jesus did that on purpose. You know, you know what he's saying? Some of that seed's going to hit good soil, and you're going to see phenomenal life. You're going to see people transform. You're going to see people who, who are, who are going to change the world for Jesus. My pastor, Kenny Qualls, uh, put a post up yesterday. By the way, I think Andrew would say Kenny's his pastor. And I think Michelle would say Kenny's her pastor. I mean, I mean we, we, we all came out of that ministry in, in Missouri. Um, man, just... Just a great, great, useful guy in the Lord. But here, here's what he wrote. He wrote, 31 years ago today as a college freshman, Calvin Mayberry shared the gospel with me. I came to Jesus as my Savior, and my life was changed forever. Thank you for my spiritual birthday. When I read that, I just thought, you know what? I wonder if, if Calvin Mayberry had any idea when he was sharing with a college freshman, who, by the way, was working at the zoo, okay? That was his career, was a zookeeper. I wonder if he had any idea that, that the, the word that was going forth there would 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 have a fruitfulness that would change lives really around the world. I mean, Kenny pastors a church now of three or 4,000 in St. Louis, one of the biggest churches in the United States. Man, you never know. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that cool? That's, that's exciting. You know what it makes me want to do? It makes me want to farm. It makes me want to sow seed, you know? It makes me want to get the word out. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And, and, and here's the deal. Man, if you see that, that you know there's going to be some soil that's good soil. You know what? Find creative ways, unique to your own giftedness, to speak God's truth. You want to be a leader in the kingdom? I have people all the time tell me, I want to be a leader. You want to be a leader in the kingdom? Speak God's truth. Learn to share God's truth. You don't need a position. You don't need a title. You want to be a leader in the kingdom? Learn to have conversations with other people in which you share the gospel. Learn to speak God's truth to your kids. Learn learn to speak it in in letters and in in posts and Twitter and whatever. But learn to share God's truth. Man, the opportunities are unlimited, aren't they? We're out of time here. Thinking about my dad. My dad just can't go plant wheat wherever he wants, you know? He can't bring his tractor in the, the, you know, the middle of Scott City into the, the park and start plowing, you know? I mean... He's got to plow just where he's, he owns land, okay? You know the cool thing about us? You can sow it anywhere, can't you? Isn't that great? Airports, I mean, your neighborhood, your workplace, farm, man, farm. All right, we got to go. I got a baptism next service. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, the word of God that has the power to transform our lives and, 
and God to bring about fruit. God, we want to be a fruitful people. God, Lord, we, we ask for the hundred. God, we, we, we want the 30, we want the 60, but God, we ask for the hundred. God, give us, give us people, Lord, who will receive the word of God and will bear fruit a hundredfold. God, put that in us. God, make us those kind of useful people. And Father, I pray, Lord, for people here today, God, I pray that there'd be genuineness. Lord, I pray there'd be a searching of hearts about fruit. God, I pray that each person here would be able to look at their life and say, yes, I see it. I see the visible fruit of the Spirit of God inside of me. Lord, that's a precious thing to to be genuine. So, Lord, please produce that today. Please work in us, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.